Welcome back to Throne Hands. Uh, I'm Jacob Janoski. Alongside me is Daniel Woods. Daniel, how art thou? I'm doing pretty good, Jacob. How are you? I'm doing pretty good too. Uh, this this card, uh, for la- I don't know, lack of a better term, really exceeded my expectations. <laughs> it was a lot yeah, better I would, than I thought it would be. How about I you? would have to say the same thing. Yeah, action packed. Great fight. Great fights the whole night. There are three knockouts under one minute, which was kind of crazy. I thought that was insane. Yeah, so I honestly was not expecting this card to be anywhere near what it was in terms of excitement, at least. Um, I mean, we're going to get into our predictions here before long. Uh, but I think of the fights we picked, uh, I think I only picked one of them to go to a finish. I had everything else go into a decision. And a lot of the fighters on Saturday night proved me wrong as far as their ability to finish fights in exciting ways. And it turned out a lot better than I think we were expecting. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to uh, review our first fight right now. Espinosa versus De La Rosa. This didn't really um, go as I, ex- I expected it would. I thought Espinosa was going to get the submission, but he really killed De La Rosa on the ground. What, would you say, what, what was your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. I, we were really expecting uh, Espinosa to, to use his jujitsu, finish this one by submission. This was two guys that are definitely a little more uh, ground game minded. So it was an interesting matchup of styles, Uh, but I was really expecting Espinosa as more of the jujitsu practitioner compared to uh, De La Rosa, who's more of a, uh, I would say more of a wrestler that it was, it was definitely interesting to see him win in that way. Yeah. And he, he outstruck De La Rosa by, by miles. He just came out the gate aggressive and I really liked what I saw from him. It really shows his diversity and his uh, his attacking ability there. So what do you think's next for uh, De La Rosa? You know, I don't really know because these were a couple of guys that coming in probably needed a win. Neither one of them have, have had particularly long runs in the UFC right now. It's, it's interesting. He's had success outside the UFC, but it's kind of been up and down for him at times. So I would probably see him get another person similar in level to Jordan Espinosa, just see what kind of fighter De La Rosa can be, see, have kind of some sort of measuring stick as to what he is in the UFC. Yeah, definitely. And I think he might see another guy off the, off the contender series, but I think Espinosa, Espinosa will probably see somebody in the top 15. I think with that performance and how, how much he dominated in that performance, he, I think he deserved that shot. What do you think? He's certainly getting into that conversation. Uh, and he showed some things on Saturday that we haven't seen out of him before. One of the things that, that really kind of turned me off from him as a fighter in the past has been the fact that he never seems to stand his ground on, on his feet. He's not very aggressive. He's almost always backing up and just waiting for his opponent to make a mistake so he can get him down to the ground. And he showed a completely different aggressive side when it came to his striking in this fight. And I think that's a testament to the improvements he's made uh, throughout his UFC career. And I think he certainly has shown enough to get a, a, a shot towards the, the top 15 contenders. 
Yeah, for sure. So we're going to move on to uh, the next fight that we'll be covering. I don't know why I didn't preview this fight, but Feely versus Jordan was awesome. Great action on both sides of the, um, with both opponents, both striking. It was, it was a great fight. What, what were your thoughts on this one? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this was a really good fight. These are, are two guys who have, have fairly diverse styles, both really good strikers, but they can do more than that. And they're two up-and-comers in this division. Uh, Charles Jordan has not had quite as much success in the UFC as Andre Feely has, but his track record before coming into the UFC was really good uh, coming out of Canada, and he's, he's had success other places. So these are, these are two guys in this, in this division that uh, are young, exciting guys. And I think uh, one thing that stood out to me was uh, even at the end of that fight, it, it went to a split decision, which was, was a little bit questionable to me. But something I really liked out of Charles Jordan is the, the shock on his face and uh, kind of the, the courtesy in defeat that he showed to Andre Feely. Uh, clearly uh, congratulating him on a great win and and understanding that he was outclassed in that fight, moving on uh, and allowing Feely to kind of celebrate his win as he deserves. Yeah, like you said, he, he was shocked when he found out that he won one of the judges' hearts in that fight. And I think Feely really won that fight with his takedowns in the second and third round. It was pretty even on the feet, but on the ground, it was it was quite uneven with uh, – Feely's takedowns. So, what do you think's next for uh, Charles Jordan? You know, um, he's he's an interesting guy because he's clearly got a lot of talent, but he just hasn't been really able to put it together completely since he's come to the UFC. So, I, I don't know if he takes a step down from somebody like Andre Feely, who is really uh, kind of turning into a top fifteen prospect at this point. I'm I'm not sure what we see out of Charles Jordan. Maybe it's somebody off the Contender series. Uh, see if if he can kind of bounce back and and regain true prospect status. Uh, so uh, he's definitely an interesting fighter. He's something that I would like to see stay on the UFC roster, but he's going to have to have a little more sustained success if he's going to do that. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that. If I think if he can get back on track and make it in the top 15, he's he's a really exciting fighter to watch. I was thoroughly entertained mm-hmm. by watching him the whole fight. So I think it would be in Dana White's best interest also to try to keep this dude on the roster. So for Andre Feely, I think we could see him maybe hop to 15. What do you think? I'm not sure if he jumps into the rankings here. I think uh, the fight that I want to see next for him would certainly get him into the top 15 if, if he were to win it, and that's against Bryce Mitchell. Uh, these are two guys that have had really impressive performances uh, since the UFC's returned uh, in the last couple months. And they're two guys that are, are more, two of the more exciting fighters uh, with pretty diverse styles uh, that are big up-and-comers uh, in this weight class. And I think uh, a win, whoever would win that fight, uh, would certainly have to be considered one of, if not the top prospect in this division, and maybe uh, pushing up towards the top 10 uh, if they're not already in the top 15. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, Bryce Mitchell, like you said, very, very attractive prospect in that division. He's he's one of the only. I think he might be the only person who's had a who has had a, a twister finish in the UFC. So I think I think that would be the matchup for Dana to make Feely versus uh, Bryce Mitchell. All right. So to the co-main event of the evening. Uh, lots of weight troubles in these next two fights, but we got uh, Carl Roberson versus uh, Batori. Batori dominated this fight from that from the 
from the gun, I think. And I think Roberson just didn't have his head in the game, as you could tell, because he was five pounds overweight. What were your thoughts? Yeah, that was that was kind of the way I looked at it. Um, Marvin Vittori, for coming in, for being the lighter man in this fight, uh, with Roberson coming in five pounds, almost five pounds overweight, Vittori looked like he was carrying his weight extremely well. And I think that uh, kind of gave him a little bit of an advantage over Roberson here. And uh, Vittori uh, was, was clearly, he's, he's clearly a very talented fighter and he can clearly fight on his feet, but I was really impressed, impressed with what he did on the ground, uh, locking in that rear naked choke really quickly against, uh, against uh, Carl Roberson. And I think Vittori is, is showing that, uh, the guy that pulled off a split decision against Israel Adesanya two years ago isn't gone. That wasn't a fluke. I think Marvin Vittori is somebody that could be very dangerous in this middleweight division. I think he's very clearly uh, probably should be in the conversation to be towards the top 10 of that division. I'm really excited to see where he goes next. Yeah, I, I am too. I think Vittori definitely you know showed his stuff back there on Saturday. And like you said, that split decision win against Israel Adesanya, not a fluke. And I think he could be a very dangerous contender coming up in the next – contender for the championship in the next year or two because of his excellent ground ability. And he can clearly fight on the feet too. So he's going to be a problem. And I can definitely see him, you know, maybe getting – definitely getting to the top 15. Maybe he'll peak at 9 or 10. So before we get back to Vittori, I think we already answered what's next for him, five, nine, and 10. Who would you like to see Vittori fight next? Um, it's it's interesting because there are some some pretty solid prospects in this in this middleweight division. They just need sorted out a little bit. As far as guys that would probably be on a similar timeline as uh, getting getting into a fight with Vittori, just based on on him having fought this past weekend, maybe the winner of the Ian Heinish uh, Brendan Allen fight. Those are two guys that are both fourteen and three. And uh, Heinish is actually who Vittori called out after the fight. So I think, I mean, Heinish is in the top 15, and I think Brendan Allen probably ends up there if he pulls off the win. So I think Vittori probably gets the winner of this fight. It's, it's less than two weeks for away now uh, as, as Heinish is fighting on a, on a pretty quick turnaround after uh, picking up a one-week UFC 250. Uh, but I think that's probably what we'll see next for Vittori, uh, at least based on his call out and, and kind of what I think they want to do with this middleweight division. Yeah, I definitely have to agree. And I think, I don't know what's next for Roberson because, I don't know, he came in overweight and he lost in a pretty dominating fashion to Vittori. So I don't really know what's next for this dude. I think he might get another, pro- he might get a prospect off the contender series or something. I don't know what's next. What do you think? I would say so. And he, he probably does get a prospect in his next fight. And the fact that he has had such trouble with his weight in the past, uh, I mean, that, that first Vittori fight uh, was put off partially because of illness uh, from Robertson, but also because he came over, came in overweight then too. Uh, honestly, uh, to paraphrase Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation a little bit here, uh, I'd like to say to Carl Robertson and his trainers, uh, be a light heavyweight or be nothing. <laughs> like, uh, I get that he would have an advantage with his size and length at middleweight, but he's had so many problems with his weight and he's not even fought in the UFC for that long. I'd probably, with with his striking, if he can keep the quickness, I'd like to see him probably take the step up to light heavyweight and see what he can do there. Yeah, I was literally thinking about that uh, when I was heading down to the copier to get 
my uh, the agenda for the for the podcast, I think he would pr- he'd prosper fairly well at light heavyweight. And with all of his problems down at middleweight, I think it'd definitely be in his best interest to move up a division. So to review the main event of the evening, more wake up problems. I versus Calvillo, I coming in one quarter pound over the limit. I don't buy it because she um, Calvillo's uh, manager got a text that she was three pounds overweight and she probably grabbed the curtain. So what were your thoughts on this fight? I was really impressed with Cynthia Calvillo uh, in, in her first appearance in this division. Uh, it's, it's certainly uh, kind of uh, shows the separation between uh, the, the elite fighters uh, in, in this uh, women's flyweight division because Valentina Shevchenko was so far separated that the number one contender in Jessica I could struggle so much against Cynthia Calvillo, uh, who's in her first fight at this weight class. But uh, I'm excited to see where Calvillo goes at 125. Uh, I'm not sure uh, that we see her as the next title contender. I think that fight probably goes to someone else. But she's certainly a dangerous force to be reckoned with because she she dominated Jessica I so thoroughly through five rounds. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I think I think Calvia said uh, beforehand that this is her natural weight. At, well, this is where she wants to be in the UFC, and I, and I think, think that really showed on on Saturday. With she took I down, she she stood in the pocket with I too. And that, that's what really impressed me the most. She, she threw with I, and then she threw her to the ground. And I think she just really dominated the fight on the ground, too. She, she, she would fake and then take her to the ground. I found, it, I found her performance very impressive. So what do you think is next for Jessica I? You know, Jessica I is an interesting, an interesting case because she was the number one contender in this division, but she's previously fought at Bantamweight. She honestly had more success at Bantamweight. Uh, it may be the best move for her to try to go back up to 135, honestly. I, I've seen that discussed the last couple of days because she did come in overweight for this fight with Cynthia Calvillo, and she has had a little bit of trouble uh, in the flyweight division. So I'm, I'm not really sure what happens next for Jessica. I Because these a lot of these women's divisions, uh, as far as contenders go, are pretty muddled in terms of who's at the top, who is really a title fight caliber fighter right now. So I'm not sure what to think with Jessica. I, she's a very interesting case to look at right now. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, I think it would be in her best interest to go back up to Bantamweight because of her weight cut problems that she has had in the past. And clearly they showed this past weekend. And, you know, I think it's, it's pretty ironic. She gives a lot of crap for people coming in overweight. And what happens, she comes in overweight. So she, got, she really has to put her money where her mouth is. So I think for Calvillo, she's definitely a top five contender after this. What would you say? I would have to think so. Again, this is a fairly thin flyweight division when it comes to defined contenders. There's some very talented fighters here. But it is a little too... Uh, top contenders. Uh, there are people that are going to challenge Valentina Shevchenko. I don't know that they'll be successful, uh, but I think Cynthia Calvillo is a legitimate player. As she said, this is really her natural weight. And she came in, fought the number one contender in the division, uh, and honestly threw around and uh, was right in her face for five rounds and came away with a decision victory. Uh, 
Cynthia Calvillo is obviously a very talented fighter with a long career ahead of her right now, and she could do a lot of big things at 125. Yeah, she definitely could. And, you know, after Calderwood, who knows, she might be up next. Maybe another fight in between that, but she's, she's definitely in line for that title. Daniel, do you have any final thoughts? Um, not really. Uh, this is, uh, has been probably, in terms of hype, the the least anticipated card we've seen since the UFC returned uh, following their COVID-19 hiatus. Uh, but it was still a really good card when it came to actually watching the fights, getting some excitement out of it. And then we've got Fight Island cards coming up the rest of the summer. I'm really excited for that. I can't wait to be able to talk about that right here on this podcast. Yeah, and uh, Poirier Hooker just got uh, booked in for two weeks from no a week from Saturday, so that's exciting stuff. All right, Daniel, thank you for coming back on again. Pleasure per usual. So we will see you guys for episode sixteen as we uh, preview Fight Night Blaze versus Volkov.